0: God. Well, we're back in uh, in our series in the book of Hebrews today, so why don't you take one of these bound books here uh, called the Bible, if you got one of those, and we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 this morning, and, uh, and we're going to be... Um, jumping into God's word today, uh, we had a guest speaker last week, uh, Pastor Jeremy from Tioga, and we're glad that he could be with us uh, to continue in our series. But we're going to continue starting at Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 7 this morning. Why don't we pray today as we uh, allow the Holy Spirit to work through his word in our hearts today? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come before you today, God, and we ask that our hearts would be open. That, God, you would, you would strip away all of the exterior things that would, would try and hold us back, all of our emotions, all of the things from, from really deciphering your truth. And we pray today, Lord, those things would be pulled away and that you would speak your truth deep into the hearts of your people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 7. It'll be on the screen in the New Living Translation. You can follow along in whatever translation you have there. Hebrews 4, 7 reads this way. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. There's a word that's used many times in this section, verses 7 through 11, and it's the word rest. The meaning of this word rest is Uh, continues to change throughout the passage. So it's kind of difficult to to get a grasp on. We're going to cover that here in just a little bit. But the key component in this paragraph, or in this verse specifically, is not rest. There's actually another word that is more important in this passage, and it's actually the word today. It's the word today. You see, it says in the Bible, throughout the Bible, the word today is is an important word. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 6.2, it says today is the day of salvation. Do you remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross? Today you will be with me in paradise. This verse says here, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's almost as if there is a, an ability for us when we hear the word of God to be open and receptive to it or to close off our hearts and say, God, I don't want to change in that area The scripture is very clear today, 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 when you hear the word, open your hearts, don't harden your hearts, don't close your hearts off. You see, many Christians uh, struggle with living today. A lot of them are really excited about what God has done in the past, so they want to live in the past they want to go, oh, there were great revivals years ago. Remember at my last church, God was really moving. There were so many things going on, and they want to live in the past as if there was something greater back then. There was something going on back then, not like it is today. So they push back, and whenever you talk to them about the things that God are doing, they revert back as if God has only done things in the past. But then there are other Christians that like to push forward for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. And, and they're always looking forward. They're never living in the, in the moment. And, and they're always looking forward and saying, you know, there, there's something beyond. God has something great in store. He's going to, you know, every person they talk to, God's got a great plan for your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. It's going to be great. And, and they continue focusing on the next thing, wishing, hoping. And as they're wishing and they're hoping and focused so far into the future... They forget that they're living in the present. All of us living in the present today. God is just as great today as he ever was and he ever will be. Amen? That's a good word. One of the youth can tweet that or something like that. I don't even know what that is. So... Don't miss out on today, guys. The writer said, Today, when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, when you hear God, don't harden your heart today. Guys, our relationship with Jesus Christ is about today yes it'll be it, it was wonderful in days past, and i 'm so thankful for all the things that God has done in my life up to this point and I can remember memorable points in my past, how God was moving and bringing me to this place and that 's wonderful and i 'm so excited for the moment when we get to see Jesus face to face in heaven, but listen, God wants you to live for him today today, in fact, Craig Rochelle in his book uh, uh, Cazone, and I've been going through this book with some of our leadership team on uh, uh, our Wednesday night teams. This is a quote from him, and it made so much sense to me. He said, When is a championship team successful? Is it only during the last seconds of the final game when the crowd goes wild? No, that's just the destination. The team's true success began even before the first day of practice when each player began building strength and stamina and specialized skills. Every day the team worked hard, they learned to play together, they listened to the coach, they grew from mistakes, they won games, they lost games. Every step of the journey was a part of the team's success. Success is who you are today, not just who you are at the end of your life. Success is being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ right now. That's success. That's success. The writer of Hebrews is imploring his listeners, today it's vital to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't harden your hearts. Don't drift. This is the moment to press in with him, to know him, to be obedient to him. This is the day today for God to touch and change your and my life today. Verses 8 through 11 of Hebrews chapter 4. We'll continue on. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest, but if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The King James Version here uh, says, if you can jump back to verse 8, or slide, person, uh, verse 8, it says, now if Joshua, in the, in the King James Version it says, now if Jesus, now the, that's incorrect in, in that version, and this is why I'll tell you. See, the... the the, the Jesus in the Greek form is the word Joshua. So it, it's the same word, it's just translated differently. The context of the verse here, it, what it is saying, it's talking about Joshua in the Old Testament. That's the context of the verse. And so we see that if we are going into the promised land, it was a finished product, it here said, and God wouldn't have spoken about another day of rest to come. Now, I'm not going to lie to you guys. This is a tough passage of scripture here. Hebrews uh, 4, 8 through 11. There's a lot of concepts going on. It's going in a lot of different directions. One moment, you're entering into God's rest done by labor. The next moment, you're striving to be obedient or you're going to fall away. There's a lot of balance here. But basically, if if we can cut out all of that and just focus on this, we have to remember, who is this being written to? Remember, it was Jewish believers who were thinking about going back to the old law And they were going to go through the ritualistic routine of the Old Testament, all of those kind of things. And the writer of Hebrews is imploring them, don't go back. Don't go back. You've already found Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all of these things. And what is happening here is the Jewish believers, many of them were trying vigorously to fulfill the law in their lives. Then on coming to Christ, and they understood that Jesus was the great high priest and all that he had done for them, and all they need to do is rest in their salvation by faith not labor like Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith this is not of yourselves it's a gift of god so that not by works so that no one can boast so the the people of god at this point the jewish traditionalists were struggling with the fact that they had to work to get into this rest we have to enter the rest but basically The writer of Hebrews was saying, listen, just don't harden your hearts to the things of God. Don't harden your hearts when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Don't walk away and harden your heart to what the Holy Spirit has opened to you and go back to the old ways that you were, therefore forfeiting and losing your salvation. Basically, this whole section is talking about be careful to guard the condition of your heart. Guard the condition of your heart. And then it goes into this, actually, in verse 12, that our hearts would not be rebellious towards God, and which opens up the next section. Verse 12, one of the most um, familiar, uh, familiar passages in all of the book of Hebrews is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In order to enter into God's rest here, we need to learn to trust Him. And how do we learn to trust God? It's by learning His Word and allowing His Word to filter our lives, to change our lives, to cut away certain things in our lives. So, the Word of God, it gives a bunch of descriptives about the Word of God here. First off, it says the Word of God is alive. It's not some ordinary book that you would pick up and just read. It's not just about words and uh, sentences and paragraphs. The Bible says that the Word of God is alive. How many of you ever heard someone say the phrase, that verse just leapt off the page? Anyone ever heard that before? Yeah. It's sometimes, guys, when we're reading the word of God, it's interesting because we'll be reading God's word and then all of a sudden, one verse will pop out to us and we'll sit there and go, wow, I never really read that verse that way before. It never really applied that way in my life ever before. And sometimes we go, did I ever even read that verse? That's speaking about the, the aliveness of the word of God, how, how living it is that situations and circumstances change around us, but the word of God is alive and it comes alive in our life. It says that it's powerful. This Greek word powerful means active or effective. Effective is a good term here because it speaks about what the Word of God is, and then it goes on to say what the Word of God does. So what is it? It's living, it's active, it's effective, and then what does it do? It talks about it being sharper, and it divides and pierces. So, It's sharper than any double-edged sword. What the writer of Hebrews is talking about, the Roman short sword that they wore on their hip was a short dagger about this long. It was double-edged. It was not meant for hacking, but more for stabbing. Okay, sorry to be so graphic on that, but that was what they were talking about here. It was saying that the word of God is is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it does something to us. What does it say it does? It says that it divides or pierces. Its job is to separate or cut unwanted things out of our life. Do you remember when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says that all of the people were what? Does anyone remember? They were pierced or cut to the heart. When he was preaching, they were cut to the heart, and they cried out, what must we do to be saved? They were pierced in that moment. the Word of God went forward in it, and it pierced them deep inside of their heart. It brought conviction and a drawing towards God that they, they desperately wanted to know God in, in a special way. so it was piercing. We see that it divides and it pierces it says that it divides certain areas of us. It says it divides our soul and our spirit. We have two two parts in our body well there 's more than that, but to just be simplified in this moment, it says that it divides between soul and spirit. Basically, the Word of God helps to divide these things inside of us so that we can become aware of them, so that they can be exposed, and we can bring them before the Lord. Do you know when this really comes into play in my own life? If I can be transparent for just a minute. I'm reading the Word of God, and when it really pierces me, is I'm reading it, and all of a sudden... God will pierce me, and he'll say, you know what, Sheldon? He says, you have offense with that person. I'll be just reading the word of God, and I'll be, oh, man. God, I'd rather not know about that. No, Sheldon, you do. And then he says, you have unforgiveness towards that person. You have hatred towards that person. And I'm going, man, God, quit that, or I'm going to stop reading my Bible, you know? But this is the soul and the spirit, guys. This is what it's talking about here. Guys, what happens is, is when I'm pierced, when I'm pierced, it divides between my emotions and my spirit man. That's what it's doing. And it's saying, when, I say, when it's saying, Sheldon, you have offense with that person. You have unforgiveness with that person. My emotions say, well, I deserve it of this because they did this and this and this and this, right? That's where emotions say, that person hurt me. I should be able to hold offense and harbor bitterness and anger in my heart and my emotions go this way. And then all of a sudden my spirit man says, but Sheldon, That's not right. So the Holy Spirit takes and divides in my heart, and my emotions go one way, and the the truth of God's word goes another. And it says, Sheldon, look at this, and it begins to separate those. So many times, my emotions and my spirit man get mingled together, and they like to kind of hang out. And I like to justify things in my life. I like to say, look at that person's life. They're really not living for God. I can see all the things in their life, yet I can justify all of those things in my own life. Mm. But when I read the word of God, it's different. In fact, the Pharisees, Jesus said to the Pharisees once, he said, you are the ones that justify yourself in your own eyes, but God knows your heart. Oh, and the word of God comes and it begins to, to go like this. Oh, no, God, don't stop, please. That tickles. It doesn't tickle, does it? You're going, oh, man. And it, and it separates. It pierces, it divides my flesh, my emotions. And when I say I have the right to be offended, I have the right to all of these things. I have the right, God, I have the right, and, and God is cutting and piercing me. And, and the word divides between my feelings and my emotions and the truth, whether I feel like it or not. Did you know that the truth is truth, whether you feel like it or not? Okay. Here's the thing. Our feelings, if you get one thing this morning, get this. Our feelings must be submitted to the truth. Our feelings must be submitted to the truth. And how do we do that? We allow the word of God to pierce, to cut, to divide, to flay, is one of the Greek words we'll talk about in just a minute. So we've got that far, and you said, Pastor Sheldon, I didn't like that part. Well, lean over to your neighbor and say, uh, I don't think I'm going to like this next part either. Because <laughs> we got down to cutting between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Joints and marrow means that it divides things that are meant to be together. It's, it's, that, it's that ability to cut through those things that are, that are closest inside of us. And then it says something, That we all go, oh, don't go there. It exposes. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whoa. Anybody like that verse? Anyone want to write that one on the fridge? Put that as a magnet. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Right? They don't write... It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. We don't like that. Do you know what? One of the greatest gifts in the whole world that God gave us is that other people can't read our minds. Right? I mean, when I think about the things that go on in my head, I can't imagine what happens in yours. So, I mean, it's like... (laughs) So I'll I'll be really open. There are many things that run through my mind that are hurtful, inappropriate, rude, sinful. Our selfish desires roll around in our mind all the time. The secret areas of harboring sin continually in our mind and in our hearts. But you know what? You can fool everyone around you about all the things that are going on inside of your heart. You can fool everyone around you, your neighbors, your coworkers, your sisters, your spouse, your parents, your pastor. You know what? Scripture even tells us you can fool yourself. But you know what? There's one thing that you can't fool. The Word of God. The Word of God, because the Bible says that you can't fool it, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Just exposes them. And we go, man, I never even knew that was in there. Guys, you know why we go verse by verse through the Bible in the summers? Part of it is because it confronts us with the Word of God in a pure form. And it pierces us deeply in a good way. It cuts out the things that shouldn't be there, it points out areas that we wished were left alone. It causes us to become more and more like Jesus. It exposes our desires and intentions of the heart. Verse 13 goes deeper. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. If you have something to hide this morning, deep in the recesses of your heart, in the crevices somewhere where you say, you know what, I'm not even sure that that's down there. If you have something to hide, I want you to know you can hide it from others, you can hide it from yourself, but the bottom line is, is you cannot hide it from God. It's impossible. You can't hide it from God. Remember when Adam and Eve in the garden, they'd sinned and then God came down in the cool of the day to hang out with them again. And God comes and, and all of a sudden the Bible says that they hid from him. Why? Because they were naked and exposed before his eyes. It wasn't about a physical thing. It was the fact that their hearts were ripped open in the presence of God. And they knew, and all of a sudden their eyes were open. They go, oh no, I'm exposed. And God could see right through those things. Isn't it interesting that we try and hide things from the one that nothing can be hidden from? Everything is open and laid bare, some translations say. This Greek word was used when when this open and laid bare exposed this word. The Greek word for this is like when you're skinning an animal. How many of you have ever skinned a deer or something like that? I know. We're in North Dakota, I mean. Come on. When you skin an animal, you're, you're cutting the, the skin parts away, and then when you peel the flesh off, and the meat is exposed. That's what this Greek word is talking about. That you can try, as you will, to cover yourself with all kinds of things. You can have an outward appearance that looks so good for everyone else, and everyone thinks you've got it all together. And the Bible says that God takes the the knife of his word, and it pierces, and it cuts, and it strips, and it pulls down everything, and it exposes all of the things that we've tried to hide for everyone else. God cuts past the outside and it's all exposed everything to him and that is the god that you will stand for to give account that's the god guys this is the amazing part to me is let's just pretend that you are that podium for a minute and i'm off the stage You, I want you to transplant yourself. And you're standing at that podium. And in this moment, as you are standing up here, before everyone in this room, all of your motives, all of your deeds, all of your thoughts were exposed for everyone to see. All of them flashed up on that screen right there as you stood before everyone. And as you were standing there, there would be probably people in this room that would look at you differently after that moment. They would view you drastically, drastically differently. In fact, you might lose friends today if you were in this pulpit and everything was exposed and laid bare before everyone. In fact, people would see you for who you really are. And in that moment, even though we're in a church and we're all supposed to be Christians, there would be people in this room that would look at that screen and they would look at you and they would hate you. They would hate you. You know what the amazing thing is, though, about God for me? Is that God sets us here just like this. And God sees inside of us, he sees everything on the screen. And rather than hating us, he desperately loves us. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. God shows or God proves his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners exposed to him, Christ died for us. There is no greater news on the planet than the fact that God loves you desperately exposed. Isn't that a powerful point today? We look at God's word and we just go, oh, this is so amazing that God would love us that way. It blows our mind today. Verse 14, we're going to 5-3, so you guys know where where the exit ramp is, okay? So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Once again, there's an encouragement for the Hebrew believers to not drift away. Hebrews 2.1, we went through that earlier. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Verse 14 is speaking about holding firm to the faith holding on to the faith, not allowing situation or circumstance or persecution or pressure to pull us from Jesus Christ, but to hold firm in what we believe. This was important to the Jewish believers. Remember, they were under great amounts of persecution. And in that moment, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hold fast to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the rest, the fulfillment of the sacrificial system. He is the fulfillment of the priestly order. The entire Old Testament points to the man, Messiah, Jesus Christ. There is no sense in going back to the Old Testament. Jesus is here. Hold firm to Jesus Christ. Verse 15 This high priest, speaking of Jesus, is ours. Thank you, Devin. You're a blessing. He knew I was getting dry, so. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of them, the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Listen, guys, when we talk about filleting our hearts open and, and opening up ourselves to the word of God and the word of God cutting us. The Bible says that the high priest, fortunately, Jesus Christ, he understands our weaknesses because he faced all the same testings as us, yet without sin. For we, The NIV says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted, but he didn't sin. But he can understand our weaknesses. He understands those things. Jesus was tempted with lust, with anger, with selfishness. He was tempted with offense. He was tempted with unforgiveness. The King James talks about Jesus. uh, King James Version says, he was touched with the feelings of our weakness. In the message it says, we do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. Guys, maybe you're here this morning, and when we talked about opening up for everyone to see in your life, you were saying, man, there are so many yucky things inside of me. I would want no one to ever see some of those things. I want you to understand that the Bible says that, that we sense that those things keep us far from God, but the reality of it is is Jesus understands those feelings of temptation. He understands the feelings and the struggles that we have on a daily basis. Jesus knows, he understands, and he is there for each of us. He loves you desperately in your weakness. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay stuck in your weakness. I heard a speaker one time, a a man from Teen Challenge, he says so many times the people of the world will point at you and say, they made their bed, now sleep in it. They made their bed, now sleep in it. They made their bed, sleep in it. He was dealing with people with, huge addictions and struggles and all of the kind. And he says, time after time, even Christians would point to them and say, they made their bed, now sleep in it. He said, I am so glad that I serve a Savior that doesn't say, they made their bed, now sleep in it. He is the Savior that says, take up your mat and walk. Amen. Amen. God doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just leave us in our brokenness and our our, our destruction of ourselves. He wants us to walk in freedom from these things. Yet he loves us. Our high priest, he understands and sympathizes with our weaknesses. Verse 16, one of the most powerful verses in the entire book of Hebrews, right here, verse 16. It says, because we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses, verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there, we'll, there we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because our high priest understands our weaknesses, when our high priest can, can grasp the concept of the struggles that we go through, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. We can run to the foot of the cross, broken and dis- destroyed and yucky and all of the things that are going on. We come with great confidence to Jesus Christ, to the throne of grace. Both grace and mercy are offered at the foot of Jesus. The Old Testament, the high priest would approach God The high priest, once a year, could go into the Holy of Holies. He would offer sacrifice for everyone else. And and when he walked into the presence of, of God, he walked in. He had been purified, an elaborate type thing. that They went through all of the purification process for him to go into the Holy of Holies with great reservation and fear. He would walk into the Holy of Holies, kept closed for 365 days. And one man would walk in with fear and trepidation thinking that maybe in the presence of God, if he wasn't holy enough, if he wasn't righteous enough, if they did something incorrect in the purifying process, he would drop dead in the presence of God. That was the kind of high priest that these people understood. But since Jesus is our high priest, the Bible says that we can now come to the presence of God imperfect, broken, and we can come boldly. The Greek word here is with confidence. When the, when, the, when the curtain was ripped in two when Jesus died on the cross, when the curtain was ripped in two and the Holy of Holies was exposed for us, we can come with confidence now, with boldness. We can come into the presence of God understanding that in our weakness, Jesus opens the door to a gracious and loving God. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is, everything is unveiled, yet we are told that we can come confidently to the throne of grace because Jesus is our high priest and he has made a way. Verses, or chapter five, verses one through three, and we're just tying up, guys. It says, every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. God. This is talking about the earthly high priest, the human being. He is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sin as well as theirs. The earthly high priest would offer sacrifices for the sins of the people continually. An earthly high priest deals gently with wayward people, sinful people, He does that because he himself is sinful. He is reminded of that fact each time he does a sacrifice. Not sure what that is. But our high priest, Jesus Christ, still sympathizes with us, but he is without sin, the scripture says. And though he understands our drawings towards sin, he opens the door of grace to God that we can run to, come with confidence to find mercy and grace for our sin. Jesus offers help when we need it the most. When we need it the most. Rachel, if you come. Guys, I'm not sure where you're at this morning personally. I don't know if you're standing if you're exposed. Mike, do I need to change mics here? Let me, let me change mic. Yeah, because this is really important. This is the important part. You know what? There are a lot of people that you said, you know what, Pastor Sheldon, if I was this pulpit and and I was exposed and all of the things that were deep inside of my heart were exposed for everyone else to see. And it is a gift from God that no one else can see what's going on in our mind. But if there are things that are impure, if there are things that we go, man, really shouldn't be there. And and if we were here and, and everything was exposed in that moment. You know, a lot of times when we think about ourselves in that way, when we look at our lives in that way, we sit there and say, you know what, I am so impure, I am so imperfect. You know what, how could God ever love a person like me? How could God ever love someone that those kind of things went through their mind, those kind of things went through their heart? How could God ever love someone like me? Guys, remember that we've got to separate our feelings from the truth our feelings say we could never be accepted because if people would see the innermost workings of our heart, many of us, like we said, there would be people that would point at us and say, I hate you. You know what the amazing part is though? If we separate our feelings from the truth this morning, the Bible says that, that we think that, every, that, that God could never accept us. He would never love us. But the truth of the matter is is so that the Bible says for us to come to the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, with passion, and open ourselves and expose ourselves just as God, he, he exposes us already. He knows all of these things, but that we can come to the throne of grace with confidence today. You know, I don't know what you, where you're at today, this morning, in, in your life. Why don't you just close your eyes in this moment and let's just open our heart to God. Let's just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Let's allow the word of God to be living and active, sharper, piercing, dividing, separating, all of these things. Maybe in your own heart right now, you, you, there are things that you're struggling with, you're going through right now. If the Holy Spirit is beginning to, beginning to ask you to give up beginning to ask you to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. For today's service, we're just going to stay in our seats this morning. We're just going to allow the word of God to pierce us. But just in this moment right now, would you be able to and willing to say, God, if there are things in my life right now that you want to remove If there are areas of deceit, if there are areas of lies that that I've been believing right now, that, God, you would cut to those things. You would begin to remove them from my life. God, I want to be more like you. Some of you are hesitant this morning. Push to the side. Make your feelings come under the authority of the truth today. God accepts you. He loves you. Come to the throne of grace with confidence, not wanting to be the same, wanting to be uh, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, allowing all of those things to pour out at his feet and say, God, take all of these things. God, take my bitterness, my unforgiveness, my offense towards others, God. Take my anger and my hatred, Lord Jesus. Take take lust and, and take selfishness and all of the things that would try and, and vie for number one in my life opposed to you. people in this room this morning right now that you've been struggling with a certain area in your life for so long. You've maybe even come to the place in your own life where you say, you know what? I was born this way. God created me this way. I am a broken person. I want you this morning right now to take Emotions and your soul and you're going to push those things under the authority of Jesus Christ. Just say, God, God, right now in this moment, God, we were all born broken. Every person in this room We were all born into sin, born into wickedness, born into weakness. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. To come to the throne of grace with boldness. So God, we just come before you right now, exposed. God, you stripped away all of the outward things that everyone else would see. And and in this moment, God, we're asking that, that you would begin to pierce, you would begin to cut, you would begin to pull away these things, Lord Jesus. You'd begin to insert your love once again.
1: separate us There is nothing that could ever separate us from your love No height No depth Of this I am convinced that you, my God I'm greater still If you know this song, sing it with me There is nothing that could ever separate us There is nothing that could ever separate us from your love No height, no depth Of this I am convinced that you might nothing that could ever separate us. There is nothing that could ever separate us from your love. No height, no depth of this I am convinced that you, my God, are greater still. Come to his throne with there is nothing that could ever separate us. There is nothing that could ever separate
0: God convince our hearts this morning Lord Jesus. God that though we lay exposed to you Lord, though we stand here God with with our hearts open wide Lord Jesus. That God you provided a way for us to come to you with boldness. That God we would come to you today Lord Jesus. God and we re- would repent of Father, we would turn from all of the things, God, that would, would try and hold us back from you, Lord Jesus. That, God, we would open those things and allow you to begin to take those away, Lord Jesus. God, that your love would flood in, that you would repair. Because, God, you never pierce us to hurt us, you never pierce us to kill us, you never pierce us to bring injury. But much like the trained hand of a surgeon with a scalpel, you cut, you pierce, and you divide. You bring healing and wholeness. So God, today, whatever you cut out of us, we're going to leave it here. We don't want anything to do with it. So God, today, we lay those things at your feet, at the throne of grace with boldness, and we hand them over to you, Jesus. We ask that you would bring correction and truth and healing and fullness and wholeness that we may be more like Jesus now than the moment we entered this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Walk from this place in wholeness and boldness. So bless you guys.